What a day. If Sweat Memorial can't get it done, nobody can. Amen. I invite you to turn in the New Testament to 1 Timothy. We will look at a verse in chapter 5 and then in 2 Timothy, a verse there in chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, and then 2 Timothy chapter 1, and a couple of verses out of 3 through 7. The title of the message, which you're probably wondering, how in the world does that fit on such a patriotic weekend? And I pray that I am able to communicate that. But the title of the message is, What Christ Can Do for Your Family. What Christ Can Do for Your Family. And I will share the leadership of the Holy Spirit that has brought my heart to this moment. But in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, this is a passage that when I came through grad school for the seminary, it was really, really impressed upon us because of the responsibilities, uh, the time commitments of pastoring a church, and that pastors had been maybe a little careless in taking care of their own family. And so they would impress this verse upon us and that is after the instruction to take care of widows and orphans in the church. Verse 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And then over one page over in my scriptures is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3-7. through 7. The Apostle Paul is encouraging the young pastor Timothy and is reminding Timothy of the home that he came up in and how that home responsible for his faith in Jesus Christ. Let me start with verse 3. The Apostle says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing I remember you, Timothy, in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Timothy is a devoted follower of Jesus, now pastor, we believe, of the church in Ephesus, and the apostle is going back to the spiritual legacy of Timothy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, is in you also. Let's pray again. Almighty God, how I pray that as this thought process has seized my heart in the midst of preparing for another message today, that by your Holy Spirit it is communicated, and that is that there will be impressed upon us that especially on a weekend like this, when we are thanking God for our nation, we are remembering those who have made this very moment possible. That it might be impressed upon us one of the greatest contributions that we can make to our nation. And that's a godly home. That is a godly home. And that we would look out for our own family in the faith and that we would be able to look back and see the legacy of generation after generation coming to accept you and to live for you. 
Forgive us of our sins in the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I was preparing, and I may tonight, it's still in process, to bring a message this morning entitled that I believe in America. Now, last Sunday, uh, those who were here know that it was a patriotic call to righteousness and prayer for our nation based upon the Ten Commandments. Well, about halfway through the week, thinking about our nation, thinking about the shape that we're in, thinking about the world situation, there came to my mind and heart, we could say out of nowhere, but I believe it came out of the Holy Spirit, the great hymn, God Give Us Christian Homes. I'm a little sorry I didn't keep that as the title of the message, but in order to have a Christian home, we need to know the things that Christ can do for us. Was hearing over this weekend the great song, God Bless America, and a part of that refrain is, God bless America, what my home, sweet home. If you see the commercials, is the best word I know, for the Tunnel to Towers, of providing homes for those who have given so much for the freedom of our nation on 9-11 and then going around the world fighting for freedom and coming back and have lost so much and that, I'm going to call it ministry, is to give them a home suitable for their environment. And when you hear those testimonies, it really touches your heart. And that is, they will stand there and say, home, security, home, independence, home, safety, home, freedom, home, family. And when they got wounded around the world, one has said, I knew that if I could just make it home, I'd be all right. I made a comment several years ago from the pulpit in another setting, and I still believe this, and that is, I do not believe that men and women voluntarily join the military and place themselves separated from their family, sometimes at risk around the world as the first line of defense you will be hard put to persuade me. Now, there may be some of that ideology among them that they are doing this fighting for the filth that's in America today. Amen? I just don't believe it. I don't believe that they are there to preserve the freedom to be as ugly as some things are happening in this nation. I just don't believe it. In that audience was a person, well, it was Jack Williams, then the editor of the Waycross Journal Herald, two sons in the Marines. Jack picked that up and made it an editorial that week. My heartbeat here today is that I think one of the best ways that we can pay tribute to our military is that when they come home to find godly, strong homes that appreciate the freedoms of our nation and that Jesus Christ is the one that can give us those kind of homes. And so how can, what can Christ do for our family? You see the footnote if you have 
the, the bulletin there, and I've mentioned before many times, Becoming a Whole Family by John Huffman really spoke to my life as a young husband and father. And in it, he has that chapter entitled, What Christ Can Do for Your Family. And number one, he says, Christ can give us help outside of our resources. I'm telling you, if there's anything that will humble you, is to hold your newborn baby in your hands and to know that you have been entrusted by God to take care of that precious gift. If that doesn't humble you, I'm telling you getting married will, amen? <laughs> Buddy, that, that'll humble you real quick right there, getting married. And so he says that in those tremendous, tremendous challenges and opportunities in marriage and in parenting, Christ gives us help outside of our own resources. Abraham Lincoln was asked one time, do you ever pray? And he said, I have been in situations in the office of the presidency where there was nowhere else to go but on my knees. And there will be times in marriage, in parenting, and in family life that the place that we need to go is on our knees before God. Huffman says that the greatest the greatest thing that every one of us can give to our families is a new you. We think it's a new other. If only they would straighten up. If only he would straighten up. If only she would straighten up. But we really need to begin at home and see what God wants to do in our lives. Dr. Huffman gives this story and he claims that the names are true because the people want to be remembered. Jim and Marcy. Jim was a headstrong, stubborn, young professional. And Marcy was a highly independent, young woman. Now they didn't use the word stubborn for her, but I'm gonna stick it in there, okay? She was a highly independent young woman and stubborn. And she was making the adjustment from an executive position to being a homemaker and a mother. And it was a tremendous transition which led to tension and the tension came to a tipping point and they considered possibly we might need to separate. But they didn't want to. They had come up in church. They wanted to stay together. They wanted their child to have a spiritual influence. But up until this point, they had only been nominal in the life of a church. And so they began to look for a church and Dr. Huffman says they found a modest little church near their home in Key Biscayne, Florida. Had an appointment with a very young pastor and I give his name because he really deserves our memory. It's in this published book, Lane Adams. And after hearing Jim and Marcy's story, Lane told them, Pastor Adams said, well, I'm gonna tell you right now what your marriage needs is y'all need to be born again. Amen. Y'all need to become new people in Jesus Christ. They had been nominal church members, thought they had been Christians, but knew in their hearts they had never really turned everything in their life in their family, in their profession, their profession over to Jesus Christ. They struggled with it. But then came the day that they really accepted Christ into their hearts. 
Marcy says that we adopted two prayers that we prayed every day. Lord, restore our love for one another. And Lord, help us keep our big mouths shut. Now, you can do that and you've been born again. Amen. They are making progress and are well on their way. Glory to God. And the reason is, is that Christ gave them that wisdom, that strength, that love, that patience, and that mercy to show one another. And he made that home new. That's what we need in America today. We need some, we need some marriages. We need some parents born again. We need Christian homes. We need to know that the home front is strong for those who are deployed around the world. They are coming back to a nation that appreciates freedom, that appreciates God, that appreciates the Word of God, that appreciates morality. Tony Evans was something else this morning, let me tell you. He was something else this morning, talking about the Word of God and the consequences and that when we defy and defile the Word of God, it ain't going to go well for us. It's not. So what can Christ do for our families? God, give us Christian homes in America. I think that's a wonderful tribute to our veterans and to our military. The second thing he says is that Christ gives us a new look at marriage. That's amazing. In the Garden of Eden, marriage was perfect. But outside the Garden of Egypt, marriage began to decline into a terrible situation, began to decline in a situation where women began to be considered property. Men thought that they were the ultimate, and it was a situation that was very, very difficult. And I read to you from Colossians, and I was just so impressed by this. In doing, performing marriage ceremonies, I will, all, I will ask, Couples, I, you always usually read 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 13, the love passage. But I say, I'll give you an, uh, an option. You got another passage that you would like for me to read? One of my latest weddings, they said, let us think about it and pray about it. And they wanted me to read out of Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And this is what it means to be born again. The apostle is writing to the church, but then he brings it home. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. And then he says, and this totally defied the culture of the day, and the culture in some places in the world today. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. 
Ephesians says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And Ephesians, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If we've been born again, we're going to be in a home of love and mercy and kindness and forgiveness. But then Dr. Huffman says, one of the problems in some of our families is that we have gotten trapped in what he called the happiness syndrome. And that is that the belief that our spouse is to make us happy and it's all about us. I'm not going to ask for an amen. You know, when Charlotte and I were dating, I did everything in my power to make her happy. But then when I realized after we got married, I really was expecting her to make me happy, you know? Now can I get an amen? (laughs) You know, really... The happiness syndrome. Well, I began to learn. And those first years, they're learning years. They're they're getting adjusted to it. and, And you need to stay the course, I tell you. Now, back then, I would not have said that I was selfish. I thought I was entitled. That I was entitled which is another word for selfishness. That after I put in a long, hard day, and many times at night, when I got home, I was not to be expected to do anything. Women are shaking their heads in this building right now. And you know, that don't go over very well. And I was given a great visual Charlotte had one of the most incredible fathers that I've ever met. People here knew him. We called him Prince Charles over at Blackshear. Just missed his 100th birthday by a few months and lived beyond Charlotte's passing by a year and a half. And me and him, we had the best time of our life. But he was one of the sweetest, kindest, gentlest, selfless people I ever met. And I saw this as a younger person one time at Thanksgiving. We were at her parents in Smyrna, Georgia. And Mr. Morrison loved to read. He would sit and he would just read, read, read. Well, in the kitchen was Charlotte, was her mother, was her sister. And every once in a while, Charlotte's mother, Corrine, would stick her head out the door and say, Charles, go to the store and get me some green beans. He'd lay the book down, he'd get up, he'd go. Now, the store usually was the utility room off the garage. Y'all been there before? You know, 30 cans of green beans and enough toilet paper for all of Cobb County up there, you know? That's depression age. But sometimes it meant run up to Kroger and get something. He wouldn't say a word. He'd get up, he'd go, he'd come back, he'd pick up his book. Everybody was happy. He was happy, and I thought, you know what? I need to learn something here, you know? I need to learn something here. And that is, it doesn't hurt. It does not hurt to yield to the other person. It does not hurt 
to be have that servant attitude. It does not hurt to learn the incredible acronym of joy, Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. And one of my favorite Zig Ziglar quotes is, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want, and you no longer live in a relationship about what about me, the relationship is it's not about me. I like Tony Evans's prayer calendar, and one of them here a few weeks ago was, you know you're a servant by how you respond when you're treated like a servant. Marriage in Jesus Christ, we're to serve one another. Did you know that? We're to serve one another. I'm to wait on Charlotte, she waited on me. Christ can give us a new look at marriage. It is not some kind of chain of command. It is a partnership. But sometimes, you know, it'll swing the other way. And out of humor, I had a guy tell me one day, he said, you know, I just keep wondering when I'm going to get to vote my 50%. (laughs) I looked at him and I said, I'm sorry to tell you that you're not even registered to vote in that precinct, brother. (laughs) But you know, one day I get my way, one day she gets her way, It is a beautiful give and take and partnership and it's not about me, it's all about the other and Christ can give us that new look at the marriage relationship where it is like that of Christ and His church. Christ died for us. We need to be willing to die for our spouse. And I can tell you, Sweat Memorial Baptist Church loves Jesus Christ with all our heart. And we are to love one another with all our heart. Quickly, what can Christ do for your family? The third thing he says is Christ helps us admit it when we are wrong. Helps us to admit it when we are wrong. My time is running out, but it always comes back to me. And I realize that at my age, you know, so much is dated. But some people here do remember the very crass sitcom All in the Family with Archie Bunker. I'm sure it still shows on TV land or something. Archie was crude. And he was crude to his wife, Edith. One day he crossed the line and told her, you ain't even human. That's low. She shut down. She withdrew. She refused to do anything more for him until he apologized. He got up the next morning. There was no breakfast. Praise God. There was no lunchbox packed. He came in that evening. There was no dinner prepared. That went on for a couple of days, and he was just absolutely flabbergasted. And she said, not until you apologize. And after about three or four days, it just about killed him. But if you saw the show and you remember it, he went up to her and he says, I... Uh, I'm sorry. And it just about killed him. Christ will make it easy for us to admit to one another when we're wrong. When we admit that we're wrong, that's what's called repentance. Repentance is the key to the door of forgiveness. And forgiveness is the key to the door 
of restoration of a relationship. Somebody needs to tell somebody, it may be in a marriage relationship, it may be in a parenting relationship, somebody by the mercies of God who has forgiven us needs to forgive somebody, amen? And I remind you of Lewis Smead's in Forgive and Forget, healing the hurts that we don't deserve, and he gives the steps to really saying we're sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I know I hurt you. I'm sorry. I will never hurt you like that again. And then the relationship is restored. Christ can enable us to back up another member of the family when he or she is wrong. This is sweet. Can't help but go to the prodigal son where he came to himself. He came home. He repented. His father forgave him. And God gave me a visual of this last night. Do you know what forgiveness looks like? When you look at the story of the prodigal son, the parable, let me tell you what it looks like. It looks like a ring on the finger, which means you're a part of this family. It looks like a robe over your shoulders which covers the filth of the pig pen, which covers the sins. That's what forgiveness is. God proclaims that we are a member of his family. He covers our sins. And then he said, bringing some shoes, and shoes was the symbol of a member of the family and not a slave or a servant, and those shoes represented you are no longer a slave to sin. You have come home. I've given you the ring of our family. I have given you a robe of righteousness. I have given you the shoes of freedom from sin. And then you know what the next thing is in a picture of forgiveness? Let's have a party. Amen. Let's have a big dinner and let's celebrate that my son who was dead is alive. That's what forgiveness is. Bringing people back into the family. Forgiving them of their sins. Helping them to overcome what happened. And celebrating. God can help us do that. God, give us Christian homes. That's the strength. That's the backbone. That's the power of America. God, give us Christian homes. And the last thing that he says, Christ helps us communicate. There's four things here. Number one, communicate. Number two, the visible option. Number three, a personal Christian faith. Number four, to our children. James Dobson in his book, Straight Talk to Men and Their Wives, says the most critical point in a relay race is the passing of the baton. If it's dropped, time is lost, you have to go back, the race is lost. He said the most critical point in a family is passing the baton of faith in Jesus to the children. That's the most critical point. And James Dobson's father told him 
while James was traveling the world as a celebrity said, son, to gain the whole world and lose your children is not worth it. God helps us do that. I want to say this quickly as a tribute to my family. We went to church. We went from the time I was two weeks old. Whenever as an adult I would visit that little Lakemont Baptist Church there, one time a lady came up to me and said, I remember when your daddy brought you in here, he was so proud you were only two weeks old. There's always a prophet in the church. Another lady came up and said, and I remember when your daddy took you out of here. And I'm wondering if I was like the little boy that held out his arms on the way out and said, pray, church, pray. He was in trouble. True story. A couple of years ago, a mom and dad decided it's time to take our little girl out of here. On the way out, she said, I don't want to go. Brother Bill's not through yet. I want to stay. He's not through yet. But let me tell you, we went to church. The church went with us. There was prayer in our home. There was Bible reading in our home. There were teachable moments in our home. I saw my parents tithe. I saw my daddy serve as chairman of deacons. I saw my mother teach GAs. I saw them do all of these things. And they passed the baton. And now I have baptized my children. I have baptized my nieces and nephews. I have baptized my grandchildren except one, and that's the youngest Pearson who turned nine yesterday. And I do believe that I will baptize him one day. And I have baptized my great nieces and nephews. God, give us Christian homes. We need a strong military. We need to be brave and courageous. But oh, they need to come home with good, strong homes. I hope you can connect the dots. I can. America needs Christian homes. America needs home sweet home. America needs Jesus Christ. However God has spoken to you in this moment, if it is to accept Him for the first time, I invite you. If it is to unite with a fellowship of pilgrims in the faith, we're all struggling, but we're all getting there, folks. If it's a time of prayer in this altar, I invite you. Will you come as James comes to lead us in a hymn here?